Well, church, if you have your Bible this morning, turn with me to the book of John, chapter 3. We're going to continue on um, in, our, in our series this morning about developing relationships with Jesus. Kyle Eidelman, anybody heard that name before? Kyle Eidelman is the youth pastor um, down at... Uh, Southeast Christian, I just drew a blank for some reason. Southeast Christian Church down in Louisville, one of the largest churches um, in the country, actually. Um, he wrote several books, he's written several books, and, he, and, and one of the ones that he wrote uh, that he's got a Bible study for that's really good. If you've not read the book, I encourage you to read it. It's called Not a Fan. And the basic premise of the book is that, that Jesus has too many fans, Jesus has too many fans. What Jesus really needs and what Jesus really wants is for people to move from being a fan to being a follower. See, a fan is someone who sits in the stands and cheers. A fan is someone who, who can dress up in the costume and put on the right face. But a fan is one who will, who will sit in the stands and cheer, uh, especially when things are going good. You know, Jesus has lots of fans. He has lots of fans that show up in their Sunday finest when things are going well. Uh, but what Jesus really needs is followers. What Jesus really needs is followers. Now, now he, he uses a basketball analogy in the book. He needs people to get out of the stands from being fans and to get down on the court. Now, not everybody is blessed like my son and my son-in-law with being six foot five. Right? So not everybody is built for basketball. Um, not everybody, but, but you know, Jesus needs point guards too, right? He needs shooting guards and he needs point guards. Jesus needs, come on in, come on in. Jesus needs point guards and shooting guards and Jesus needs everything. Jesus has given this body every position that it needs. All Jesus needs is for us to quit being fans and become the church. You know, I, I spoke a little while ago about the prayer ministry, and one of the things that, one of the catchphrases that we have that we began to invoke on Sunday night is quite, quite likely this. The church has left the building. The church leaves the building at 5 o'clock on Friday night to go walk in the community and pray God's blessings over people. The church is not this beautiful building. This beautiful building, you know, this building that God has given us and blessed us with is amazing. It, it, is, it is a beautiful place, nice carpet, um, you know, how, how many people like chairs? How many people would rather us go back to pews? Yeah, not, not no one. Well, one or two said, oh, maybe, maybe. I think you got outvoted there, brother. Um, it's, an, it's an amazing building, but let me tell you something. The building doesn't bring people to Jesus. The, the praise team. The praise team, whether it's, it's Aaron and Sam and the rest of the guys or Logan and, 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 and the rest of us, it, it, the praise team is great. Hey, Michelle. <laughs> but the praise team doesn't bring people to Jesus. It's a relationship with Christ. And when God's people get out of the bleachers and get onto the court and move from being fans to being followers, then people understand who Jesus is. So we're looking in the book of John, and we're looking at, at different, uh, 
different relationships that Jesus had. Okay, let's go. Pop quiz time. What is the purpose of the church? Starts with a helping. Discover and become his what? Become his what? Become his followers. Jesus needs followers, not fans. Helping people discover Jesus Christ and become his followers. That's the purpose of the praise team. That's the purpose of the dance team. That's the purpose of the building to help people discover Jesus Christ and become his followers. What? Okay, we're, we're studying about the, uh, discovering Jesus Christ and developing relationships with Jesus Christ. What is the purpose of the gospel of John? Anybody remember where it is? John chapter Starts with a two, ends in a zero. John chapter 20, yes, winner, winner, chicken dinner. John 20, verse 30 and 31. That's where John writes his purpose for writing the gospel. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. The purpose that John wrote this book, the Gospel of John, is so that you could understand who Jesus was, is, and will be, and that because you understand who he was, is, and will be, you will believe in him, and because of your belief, you will have life in his name. We're looking at some encounters of Jesus through the early chapters of John. Today we're in John chapter 3. It is an amazing passage. It's called Nick at Night, And, and, and it talks about being born again. Now, I got I to gotta go ahead and get something out of the way right from the very beginning. I'm going to catch some flack from this if anybody from seminary is listening to me. How can you preach John chapter 3 and not expound on the graces of 316? How can you preach John chapter 3 and not preach John 3.16? We're not going to quite make it there this morning, but we're going to talk about the relationship that Jesus developed and the dialogue and the discussion between two religious men, two righteous men. Jesus tells us that we must be born again to enter, to see the kingdom of heaven. That's the purpose of John 3. Jesus says we must be born again to see the kingdom of heaven. And then down in John 3.16, I will talk about it briefly. Down in John 3.16, he tells us the why and the how for God so loved the world. He gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal, everlasting, forever life. All right, let's, let's talk about this, this encounter, this encounter between Nicodemus and Jesus. In John chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, it says this, There was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to him at night and said, Rabbi, We know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one could perform these signs you do unless God were with him. Jesus replied, I assure you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. How can anyone be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked him. Can he enter his mother's womb a second time and be born? Jesus answered, I assure you. Unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of the flesh... 
is flesh, and whatever is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I told you that you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases, and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Father, we we pray this morning your blessing on the reading of your word, and I pray that you would use me despite me this morning in the proclamation of your word. I pray that as the church hears you speak through your word, that we would be empowered and emboldened to walk out these doors, that the church would leave the building for the purpose of glorifying you. In Christ's name, amen. Nicodemus greets Jesus. Nicodemus greets Jesus. There was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. All right, let's just stop right there real quickly. And we just learned three very important things in that sentence. Sometimes we get so caught up in in what's to come that we forget to realize what we just read and what's there. So let's break that down. There was a man named Nicodemus who a ruler, a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. There are three things that we heard there. He was of what? He was a Pharisee. He was a Pharisee. So let's talk just a second about what that means. If you were here on Sunday night a few weeks ago, we talked about Pharisees a little bit, and we talked about how they were, were strictly devout strictly religious there was six over 600 rules and laws and they knew every one of them they had memorized every one of them they could call you out on anyone at any time and say you're not living up to God's standards you need to follow me because I'm a religious person I know all the rules I don't break the rules I I I know everything you know God gave us 10 the Pharisees gave us 660 something right I'm so glad we don't live in religious rules today I'm so glad we don't live under an oppressive system of religious rules today. Let's be careful that we don't live under an oppressive system of religious rules today. Let's be careful that we don't get so tied up in our actions and and, and what we do that we forget who we do it for. Let's 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 don't ever get caught up in the routine of doing what it is that we do, the routine of gathering, the routine of singing, the routine of praising, the routine of worshiping, that we get so caught up in doing the religious things that we do that we forget that this is about a relationship. It's about a relationship with Christ. So Nicodemus came, and he was a Pharisee. He was a common person. He wasn't one of the priests. He was a common person. He probably was a business owner. Nicodemus was probably a business owner, probably what we would consider today upper middle class, maybe lower upper class, somewhere along those lines. I don't know where those lines are. I don't know. I just, I just go to work and do what I do and come home and do what I do. Uh, but he was, he was you know, probably a business owner, um, but he was a little more than that. Because you see, not only was he a Pharisee, he actually was educated in a classical Greek education. We know that. We can assume that because of his name. His name was Nicodemus, which is a Greek name. 
And in order to be a Pharisee, he probably was very well educated, not only in the ways of, of the Jewish law, but also as a business owner, as, as someone who was in the world, he was probably most likely very classically trained. He was educated. He was, he was pretty smart. He probably had several Bibles that had his name in front of them. You know, this Bible is given to Nicodemus because he graduated from high school and then he graduated from his associate's degree and he graduated from his bachelor's degree or something along those lines. He probably had a robe with lots of beautiful colored tassels on it and a big square hat that he had flipped over that thing several times. He was probably an educated man. So he was a very religious man. He was an educated man. But it says even more. It says that he was a ruler of the Jews. Now, let's talk about this for just a minute. What that means is he was part of the Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin was a group of 70 men who was kind of like the Congress of Israel, the Congress of God's people. They were the ones who sat and made laws. And it was, it was no coincidence that he was a Pharisee because he would have been a lawmaker. He would have understood the laws, but he also would have been a lawmaker. They would have settled disputes as they moved up to that level. So he was very well respected because he was a Pharisee, he was educated, and he was a lawmaker. This is not just some anybody who comes to in the presence of Jesus. This is someone that people would have recognized and that they would have known. Now, we talked about the disciples in, in John chapter 1. And last week, we talked about the servants in John chapter 2. Next week, we're going to talk about someone who is probably at the opposite end of the spectrum from, Jesus, from, from John or Nicodemus. If Nicodemus was a very religious, very devout Jewish businessman, the, the lady we're going to talk about next week is probably the exact opposite. But you'll have to show up next week to hear that one. Nicodemus. There was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to him at night. This man came to him at night. Now, this is the first encounter between Nicodemus and Jesus. There are two other encounters, and if you want to read about them, if you want to write it down, John 3, John 7, and John 19. Those are the other two encounters, John 7 and John 19. You can go look at them. But, but he came to Jesus at night. Why did he come at night? Why did he come at night? I've heard this preached bunches of times. I've heard it talked about, and I've read it, and I've taken classes on it. I'm going to give you some reasons why some people think that John included the fact that he came at night, and then I'm going to give you my take on it. Not that mine's any better or any worse from the other ones. I'm just going to give you my take on it. Uh, number one reason why he might have come at night was because he might have been embarrassed. Nicodemus just possibly could have been embarrassed. Here I am, classically educated, a Pharisee who knows the laws and, and, and the religious rules, and, and a lawmaker who creates the social laws of the date, and yet I still got to ask Jesus something? This carpenter from Galilee? Maybe he was just a little bit embarrassed because he had to come and, and talk to him and receive the advice of a carpenter. Okay, I'll buy that. I'll buy that. Maybe that's why he came at night. Maybe he came at night simply because he was busy during the day. He was busy. He was out, you know, 
quoting laws and, and, and making laws and, and, and things. And they knew Jesus was busy during the day too. Jesus was, was, had the crowds around him and the miracles. And so Nicodemus probably felt that, that Jesus was really busy during the day and had a crowd around him. And he was busy during the day, so he probably came at night. Maybe that's why he came at night. I don't know. Maybe he came at night because it was convenient. Maybe he came at night for security reasons. Maybe because he knew that he was a lawmaker and he would be watched, he didn't want to bring extra scrutiny on Jesus because he already heard rumblings and grumblings in the Senate. He already heard that that Jesus was a troublemaker or or a rabble-rouser or something like that. And so he came quite simply because he just wanted to talk with Jesus quietly without drawing attention to him. Maybe that's the case. I don't know. Maybe... There's no reason why he came at night. Maybe, maybe we've always, always been reading too much into this. Maybe John quite simply said there was a man named Nicodemus who came to visit Jesus one night. And that's it. He came at night because he didn't come at noon. He just came at night. Let, let, me, let, me, let me give you my take on, on this verse. Let me give you my take. And again, this is not, you know, this is not anything spectacular or mind-blowing. I'm not going to counteract anything you've ever heard about this verse. Let, 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 me, let me just give you my ground floor take on, on John chapter 3, verse 2. This man came to him at night. If we debate the why he came, we miss the most important thing. If we debate why he came at night, we miss the most important thing. What's the most important thing? He came to Jesus that's the most important thing whether it was for security reasons or whether he was embarrassed or whether he was busy or whether it just happened the most important thing is he came he came this man who would have been looked well upon by all the people he came to jesus it doesn't matter why he came it doesn't matter why you came what's important is that you came that you came to jesus all right so he comes to jesus at night and he says this rabbi We know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one could perform these signs you do unless God were with him. He acknowledges a couple of things about Jesus. Number one, he acknowledges him as a rabbi, as a teacher. Now, this is a huge statement. We could just, again, move right over this and gloss right over this. But for a Pharisee Sanhedrin member to come and acknowledge that Jesus was a teacher, that's important. That's important. You are a rabbi. You are a teacher. And not only were you a rabbi, a respected teacher from God, you are with God. We know there are a few of us that understand, that realize that you are from God because we truly see what you're doing among the people and we truly believe what you're teaching among the people. We see that God is at work in you and we know that you are from God. No one could perform these signs you do unless God were with him. I love Jesus' response. Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one could perform these signs you do unless God were with him, Jesus replied. I assure you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That's the crux, isn't it? That's the pivotal point, isn't it? It doesn't matter what I do. 
It doesn't matter what I say. Jesus is saying, it doesn't matter how many people I I raise from the dead. It doesn't matter how much water I turn into wine. It doesn't matter how many people follow me. It doesn't matter how big the crowd is. Unless you are born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. It doesn't matter, Nicodemus, how many degrees you have on your wall. Unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. It doesn't matter how big your business is or how important you are among the people. Unless you are born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. It doesn't matter how much power you have as one of the 70 members of the Sanhedrin. Unless you are born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. It's not enough, Nicodemus, for you to acknowledge who I am, a teacher from God, or what I do, perform these miraculous signs, but you must acknowledge why he came. You have to acknowledge why Jesus came. Why did Jesus come? To proclaim that unless you're born again, uh, unless you're born again, birth, you see, is the beginning of life. Life is precious, Nicodemus. And it is such an amazing thing. But unless you're born again, unless you're reborn, unless you're made new, you can't experience life. There were, there were, there were three pastors once who were discussing things over coffee. And the first one said, folks, I believe that, that life begins at conception. That's, that's my personal opinion. Just wanted to throw that in. That was free. The second one says, guys, I believe that life happens at birth. The third one says, I believe that life happens when the last kid moves out and the dog dies. <laughs> Unless you are born again. Unless you have new life, new birth, you cannot see, you cannot experience, you cannot understand, your mind cannot grasp the kingdom of heaven. You can get so caught up, Nicodemus, in the things of life. You can get so caught up in your 660 religious rules. You can get so caught up in your business. You can get so caught up in your power that you don't experience life. Unless you are born again, you can't experience life. This is the most important thing. This is the reason why Jesus came. This is the purpose of the ministry of Jesus Christ. To allow people the opportunity to be born again. Nicodemus is confused. Obviously, he's confused. Obviously, this man with degrees on the wall, with with all kinds of religious knowledge, with all kinds of of spiritual experience, just doesn't quite get it. But Jesus, what 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 do you mean? I can't crawl back into my mother's womb. I can't go back and be born again, can I? I can't do that. I can't do that. You know, one of the greatest things about being a kid... You know, one of the greatest things about being a kid is, there's lots of great things about being a kid, but when I was a kid, there was one thing in particular that I loved almost as much as anything. Well, except for summer vacation. Amen? 
One more week, right? <laughs> Big old stack of papers, but one more week. One thing I loved almost as much as summer vacation was do-over. Anybody ever, ever, ever remember saying do-over? You know what it's like, like, like when, you, when you're playing ball out in the street and somebody pitches you one and you hit it and it goes backwards, what do you say? Do-over. Right? Right? Or, or, or maybe, maybe when, you're, when you're running in a race and you're running as fast as you can against your best friend and, and somehow your, 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 your coordination gets confused and you trip and you fall in the grass... Do over. Let's do it again. But it's kind of a rule among kids, right? Was it just me in southern Kentucky that played do over? Everybody did, right? Do over. And, and, and you know what the cool thing about do over was? It worked. It worked. I mean, you couldn't use it every time, but it really worked. If I hit the ball foul, do over. If I miss the basket, do over. And my friends would throw me the basketball back. They did it a lot. That wasn't very good. And I tripped a lot when I ran. And I hit the ball foul a lot when I played. I was the king of do-overs. I got lots of do-overs when I was a kid. And I love that. I wish it carried over into life. You know? I wish it carried over into life when you forget your wedding anniversary. And your wife walks into your work and says, here I go again. I know, here I go again talking about weddings. Those of you that were here last week know where this is going, but I'm, I'm ahead of you this time. Wouldn't it be great if you forget your wedding anniversary and your wife walks into work and just gently reminds you of it and you could look at her and say, do over! <laughs> or, or wouldn't it be great if, 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 you know, if you've ever had the experience of maybe getting called into the boss's office at work and them telling you, hey, you know, your performance is down a little bit. Wouldn't it be great for you to just raise your hand and say, hey, boss, wait a minute. Do over. <laughs> right? Or, or, or maybe, maybe if, if, uh, if you went into the bank and, 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 you know, can you imagine someone coming up to the, to, the, to the teller there and trying to withdraw $500 and the cashier laughing at them? But wouldn't it be okay if they just raised their hand and said, hey, do over? How many of you would like that? How many of you like it on April 15th at tax time when you could say, do over? Yeah? yeah? Come on now. Wouldn't it be great to have a do-over in life? Let me tell you something. It would be amazing to have a do-over card in life. But what's even more amazing is that Jesus gives us a do-over for all eternity. Jesus gives us the opportunity to have a do-over for all eternity. John or Nicodemus came to him and said, you know, we know you're a teacher because nobody could do what you're doing unless they were from God. And Jesus says, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. But how can this be? Nicodemus, you get a do-over. You see, you were born in sin. In iniquity were you conceived. But God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that you could have a do-over. And all you have to do is go to the cross of Calvary, throw up your arms and surrender and say, do over, God. Do over. Do me over again, Jesus. Do me over. Redo me. You don't have to go back, Nicodemus, into your mother's womb. You just have to go to the cross of Calvary and plead the blood of Jesus and say, do over. Do over, God. Do over. 
how can we go back and get a do-over? Jesus explains the new birth in, in, in the last few verses here. What Jesus says is man doesn't need a reformation. Man doesn't need to just rearrange the parts and reform them. What man needs is a radical conversion by the Spirit. And, and Nicodemus should have known this as a man of God, as a follower of the law. He should have known this. And Jesus gave him the opportunity to jog something in his memory when he said this, I assure you, Nicodemus, unless someone is born of water... And the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of flesh is flesh. And whatever is born of the spirit is spirit. Don't be amazed that I told you that you must be born again. Whatever is born of the flesh is of flesh. But unless someone is born of water, they can't enter the kingdom of God. The purpose that Jesus came was to give you a do-over. And the way that he does that is not to rearrange the parts that make you who you are, but to radically reform who you are from the inside out. Jesus gave Nicodemus a clue, and the clue is found in the book of Ezekiel. It's, it's the next passage I read a little bit to you this morning from Ezekiel. It's in chapter, just write it down, it's in chapter 36, Ezekiel chapter 36. And you remember, let me just catch up to where, where we were when I read earlier. I said, the nations will know that I am God when I demonstrate my holiness through you in their sight. Now listen to this. This is God talking here. For I will take you from all the nations and gather you from all the countries and will bring you into your own land. I will also sprinkle clean water on you. And you will be clean. Jesus says you have to be born of the water and the spirit. God says in Ezekiel, I will gather you back and I will sprinkle water on you. And you will be clean. I will cleanse you from your impurities and your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. How many people have come to the realization at one point in their life that they have a stone heart? that they have a heart of stone cold and hard and nothing can get in and it's only when you realize that you have a stone heart you can't remake that stone heart you have to remove it and put in a heart of flesh and that's what God promised us in Ezekiel I will remove your heart of stone and I will put within you a heart of flesh a heart that will receive and a heart that is alive and a heart that beats and a heart that is vital I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will place my spirit within you. I will, God, that's God Almighty talking there. And he's talking to the people of Israel, but he's talking to the people of Crothersville and the people of Louisville and the people of Scottsburg and the people of, of Brownstown and the people of Seymour and the people of the world. I will put my spirit within you. Then you will live in the land that I gave your fathers. You will be my people and I will be your God. I will save you from all your uncleanness, uncleanliness. Folks, that's what Nicodemus had in his mind. 
That's what Jesus had in his mind. That's what Nicodemus should have had. When Jesus said, you must be born again, I will remove a heart of stone and I will put in it a heart of flesh. I will remove your spirit of callousness and I will put my Holy Spirit within you. I, God says, will allow you to be reborn. The problem, quite simply, is this. The problem, quite simply, is this. Most of us don't mind Jesus making minor change in our lives. Most of us don't mind a little Jesus, right? I think everybody in here would say, just, just give me a little Jesus, right? Things will get better in my relationships if I have a little Jesus in them. Things will get better in my finances if I have a little Jesus in them. Things will get better in my school if I have a little Jesus in it. Things will get mar- better in my marriage if I have a little Jesus in it. That's not, the, that's not the game plan, folks. The game plan is not for you to get a little Jesus in your life. That's, that's, that's wrong, Jesus wants to not do some minor change, but Jesus wants to turn our lives upside down. We say our church would be better if we had a little Jesus in it. Jesus says the world would be better if we had a little church in the world. Fans don't mind Jesus doing a little touch-up work, but Jesus wants a complete renovation. Fans come to Jesus thinking about a tune-up, but Jesus is thinking about an overhaul. Fans think that a little makeup is fine, but Jesus is thinking makeover. Fans think a little decorating is required, but Jesus wants a complete remodel. Fans want Jesus to inspire them. Jesus wants to interfere with them, and Jesus wants to interfere with you, and Jesus wants to interfere with me, and Jesus wants to interfere with us. This is the reality that Nicodemus is about ready to have impressed on him. There is no way to follow Jesus without him interfering in your life. Jesus doesn't want fans. Jesus wants followers. We know, we know that this took. We know that this took. If you read the Gospel of John, you know that that this meeting took a hold and that Nicodemus understood it and that Nicodemus' life was radically altered because of or due to or in part of this conversation in the middle of the night. Why ever it was that he came to Jesus, he came and he got not just transformed he got reborn how do we know that because a few chapters later in chapter 7 there the the Sanhedrin that group of 70 men is gathering and they're gathering to, to 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 put penalties on Jesus and who stands up and says wait a minute guys wait a minute guys who's the one that stands up and says I'm going to take a little stand for him here he took a stand for me I'm going to take a little stand for him it's Nicodemus in John chapter 7. And then if you want to go forward about two and a half more years, Jesus crucified, dead, hanging on the cross. The penalty had been paid and the lifeless body was hanging on the cross. Who was it that stood up for Jesus? It was Nicodemus. Nicodemus went to Pilate because Nicodemus had access to Pilate because he was one of the rulers and one of the the religious leaders. And he went to him and said, look, give me the body. I'm going to take a stand for him. Give me his body. It doesn't take a little minor change to cause that to happen. It takes a bold transformation. You have to be born again. Folks, we're getting to the point where it's all about you and it's all about God. Are you ready, are you willing 
to allow a complete makeover in your life? Are you, are you ready and willing to allow Jesus to come in and redo your life, your heart, your mind, your soul, your spirit? If you've never come to that point in your life that you understand that Jesus is the only thing, then, then today in just a moment, the praise team's going to come up here and they're going to sing a song. And, and don't let that distract you from the fact that God is moving. Let that inspire you to take a stand for Jesus because Nicodemus did. And all of these other people that we're talking about did. In just a moment, it, 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 I'm going to be standing down here. And, and if you just want to come pray, just come pray. Just come to the altar and pray. God, I need a transformation. I'm tired of a little Jesus. I want all of Jesus. I'm tired of being filled up partway. I want to be completely and totally filled up. Just, just come and pray. Grab somebody standing next to you and just ask them to come pray with you. Maybe you want to just become a part of this body of believers. Maybe you want to become a part of First Baptist Church. Because you realize that this is a body of believers that is outwardly focused. We don't come in here in a holy huddle and then just come back every play after play. We go out and do things in our community. And our community is starting to see that. They're starting to see that. If you want to be a part of that, then come and talk to me today and we'll start that process. Whatever it is, we're about helping people discover Jesus Christ. And after having discovered him, become his followers. Let's have a word of prayer. Father God, we come before you today, not as fans, but as followers. Father God, we come before you today, not, not as, as enlightened, but as those needing enlightenment. Father, we come before you confused, but we come before you fearless. I pray, Lord, your power. I pray your glory. I pray your wisdom over these people. I pray that we would respond to you in a way that only you can cause. Not just for superficial, artificial change, but we want true life change. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.